0: Welcome to the PCOS podcast. I'm your host, Selene Douglas, degree qualified nutritionist. This podcast is a place to help show you how to reduce your PCOS symptoms. Getting diagnosed with PCOS can be super confusing. It typically comes with very little information about what the condition actually is and how to manage it long term. In this podcast, we cover the keys to understanding what PCOS is, the best approaches to improving your PCOS, and of course, how to reduce your PCOS symptoms through non-medication-based approaches. If you've been recently diagnosed with PCOS or you've had PCOS for a long time and you're wondering, what the heck do I do now and what do I need to do to reduce my symptoms? This podcast exists to show you exactly that. If you have PCOS and you want a strategic approach to help you lose weight, banish acne, stabilize your cycles, and reduce anxiety-inducing hair growth, then I would love to invite you to register for my free PCOS Masterclass. In this masterclass, I'm going to be breaking down my exact process that I use when I'm helping clients like you reduce and resolve their PCOS symptoms without medication. To get access to the masterclass, all you need to do is head to the link in the show notes, or you can access it directly by going to celendouglas.com forward slash webinar hyphen registration hyphen EG, or you'll find that link in the show notes below. In this podcast episode, I'm answering three questions that have been submitted through Instagram. This week, I put a story sticker up asking if anyone had any questions about PCOS that they wanted me to answer on the podcast. So that's exactly what this episode is all about. I have three questions, so we'll see how long we go for. So question number one is, why does it matter to have hormones tested on a particular day of your cycle? I love this question because it's very common for people to be recommended that their hormones are checked and then they're not done on any particular day of their cycle. And this essentially means that the tests are useless. So why it matters. There's a post that I've done in the past that is on my Instagram and it says, if you've been told your hormones are normal by a health professional who didn't also tell you what day of your cycle you need to have them tested, I recommend finding a new health professional. I think that's the most popular post I've ever, ever done on Instagram, which is really all about this topic. So, it matters hugely. Now, to explain why. Basically, when we are doing testing, what we are wanting to find out is what your level is in comparison to a benchmark of where it should be and essentially whether or not that provides an explanation or not for a certain symptom. And the thing about the female reproductive cycle is that your hormones fluctuate greatly day to day and across the month. And so, if you're testing any time of day, if you're testing any time of the month, we don't actually know what that benchmark is that is considered normal, right? So, for example, if you are displaying symptoms that make me think that there could be an issue with, I'm going to use high estrogen because it's a very, very common issue that I see. Let's just say, I suspect you have an issue with high uh, estrogen and we are going to assess that at the start of your cycle and at the end. So, I know On day two or three of your cycle, your estrogen should be between 120 and 170 picomoles per liter. But if you've, say, gone and tested that estrogen on any random day, I have no idea, A, like do you even know the day? For example, if you're not tracking your cycle, you don't even know and it's just been done any random day, it's definitely useless. But if you've, say, done that estrogen Uh, in a a point in the cycle when it is supposed to peak, for example, before ovulation as an example, if it's been done a couple of days before ovulation, maybe you do ovulate on day 14 and you're one of those 10% of people and you've had it tested on day 12 or 13, then it's normal that it's going to be really high and we're going to expect to see that difference. So, understanding what that hormone is supposed to do at that particular point in time, and then you getting your results taken at that point in time and comparing it to that benchmark is how we can understand if there's an abnormality or not in the result. And this is really, really important because, for example, if there's a suspicion that it's a high estrogen issue causing said symptoms, uh, then we want to actually confirm that to make sure that we don't go down the wrong route with different treatment strategies. Um, Equally, for example, uh, day 21 progesterone testing is something that often gets looked at either for fertility reasons or even for premenstrual mood symptoms and things like that. So uh, this is really, really important because this test very commonly gets done incorrectly. There's only 10% of women roughly, it's an estimate of course, uh, that actually ovulate on day 21. So, the day 21 testing assumes that you've ovulated on day 14, but that might not be the case. If you don't have a 28-day cycle, it's highly likely you don't ovulate on day 14. And even if you do have a 28-day cycle and you might have a shorter or a longer um, luteal phase, for example, like let's say that your luteal phase is not fourteen days and it's twelve, then you could be testing that progesterone two days early, uh, and you could be, or you could be testing it two days uh, late. Sorry. No, early? Early. Yes, early. Um, and you could be suspecting that you have low progesterone when you actually don't. So, getting that timed testing right is really, really key. Otherwise, the wrong assumption can be made. Uh, so, yeah, it's really, really important to test on particular days of the cycle. I do have a free testing guide available for download that you'll see in the link in the show notes. Otherwise, you can find it on the website or from my Instagram. It's everywhere. It's called a PCOS blood testing guide. And that will actually give you the different days of the cycle that you want to test certain hormones based on what they're supposed to be doing. And yeah, essentially what we want to look at at that particular point in time. So, it's very important. Don't waste your time doing testing done at any random day. The one caveat to this, of course, is that if you have amenorrhea and you don't have a cycle, then we just want to go ahead and get it tested. Also, sometimes I work with PCOS clients who have extremely long cycles, like 70, 90 days, where obviously not going to be waiting 90 days to do testing uh, when working together. We're just going to dive in and get it done uh, and guide you around the best possible times to do that. It's also really important on that topic of timing of testing that you test in the morning. So hormones, ideally, you want tested around 8 a.m. Okay, question number two that was submitted is what causes high, what causes raised DHEAS levels and what is the best way to lower them? So DHEAS is an androgen hormone produced from the adrenal glands, adrenal glands, two glands that sit on top of the kidneys responsible for doing a lot of different things, but producing um, our stress hormones. And DHEAS forms part of our kind of compilation of stress hormones. Uh, and so Then high levels of um, DHEAS can be an indication of a high level of psychological stress. Uh, and the other thing that can affect our DHAS levels are high levels of prolactin. So when I do testing with clients, this is something I test anyway just to make sure that I'm drawing on all the different possible connections of high DHAS levels. But essentially what we're looking at with that hormone is, what is what's actually causing that overproduction of hormone. Is it a heightened level of psychological stress? Is there high prolactin there? Um, but I also often look at, you know, luteinizing hormone Uh, FSH and all of those other things as well, just to make sure we've got that really comprehensive view. And then the other thing to look at is with high DHAS levels is where your other hormones are at, like your estrogen and progesterone, um, estrogen, sorry, and testosterone, because DHAS is a precursor hormone for those other hormones. So essentially that means it has to get made before we can make estrogen, before we can make testosterone. So if you have really high levels of DHAS and you have very low levels of estrogen or low levels of testosterone, we're wanting to look at that whole hormonal cascade to understand like what, why is there a conversion issue or what actually is going on there? Um, so to explain that further, is there an overproduction problem um, being caused or is there like a conversion issue that's preventing that flow of hormone into its uh, second product if you want to think about it like that? Um, The best ways to lower it come from understanding what's causing it to be high. So, if it is a high level of psychological stress, then of course, a lot of those lifestyle factors um, meditation, re- acknowledging, and hopefully removing the stress. Even um, kinesiology or psych- um, seeing a psychologist. These are all really, really important factors. Journaling, these are all super, super important. Uh, meditation, yoga. But then also we can bring in um certain nutrients to support the adrenal glands. Things like vitamin C's, magnesiums, B vitamins, and then also some herbs or adaptogens if needed as well. But I really want to preface that the 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 first step is actually finding out why it's high before you can work out what to do about it. Um, Question number three is, uh, is high androcinodione enough to stop your period if testosterone and DHAS levels are normal? So, first, I want to say that so many people think their results are normal when they are not. And that is the first uh, nuance there is like, are the tests actually normal? Because I so often see that people come to me and they say, my testosterone is normal or my insulin is normal or my estrogen is normal or whatever. And when I actually look at it, I'm like, oh, no, it is not no- it is not normal at all. I don't know why you've been told that. And part of that can come from really loose reference ranges around what is considered normal. Our uh, reference markers as to what is within the range of normal are very often way, way, way too wide. And you can very much be symptomatic even when your results are not normal. So, in the testing guide that's available for download, I do also have the markers for free testosterone, test total testosterone and DHAES. So, it's helpful to actually download that and compare your own results to it as well. The other thing that I will say here is again, testing accuracy. When were the hormones tested? Were they tested in the afternoon? Because that might not actually be accurate. You want to have them tested first thing in the morning after fasting. The other thing that I want to point out here is that um, total testosterone is not always indicative of free testosterone. These are two different markers. And actually in PCOS, it's often the free testosterone, which is what's actually active, um, that is quite elevated. So, I like to get both of those markers, not just your total testosterone. I like free and total. And then coming back to your question, which is, is high androsinidine enough to stop your period if testosterone and DHS levels are normal? So, firstly, Are they normal? And then secondly, yes, androsanodion is one of our other androgen group hormones, and it is potent enough to stop your period. Essentially, these different androgen hormones can cause the same symptoms. But in this case, I would also be saying, what else is there that could be causing this? So when I approach a PCOS case and I look at getting testing done, I'm always thinking, this is one explanation. Is there any other possibilities? And in the case of PCOS, one of the other very, very common uh, pathology or hormonal issues that we'll see is very high levels of luteinizing hormonal LH. And that can very much prevent a period from coming and prevent ovulation among many other things. there. Of course, we look at things like thyroid and insulin and all those other factors. So, my answer is yes, high androcinodione can be enough to stop a period, but there could also be other problems at play if we were to zoom out and do enough testing. So, always when we find an explanation for a symptom, we... Of course, want to take that on board and treat that problem, but then also going, is there anything else that could be causing this? And the question always should be, why? Like, why is there high androcentridione? Because there will be something higher up in that hormonal hierarchy that is actually causing that. So, as another example, we know that with testosterone production from the ovaries, that's not where the issue like starts. For example, there very often is that high level of luteinizing hormone triggering that issue. And so basically when we look at solving those hormonal issues, it's about tracing it as as high up as we can go to work out what that why is so that ultimately we're kind of collectively uh, working on everything at the same time. So hopefully that is helpful for not just the person who submitted that great question, but a couple of other people and gives you a bit of insight into how I work with clients to help them with their PCOS and also the the kind of blood testing process and just why it's so important. That is it for this episode. I hope that was helpful. Let me know if you like this episode style answering different questions. I quite like it, but let me know if you do, you can find me over on Instagram and if you submitted these questions and I've answered them for you, I want to ask you a favor. If you could leave me a rating and review for the podcast, that would be amazing. I would really, really appreciate it. And let me know if you love this episode. You can find me over on Instagram, Salon Douglas underscore nutrition. I love to hear from you and I love to hear your big takeaways from listening to the show. Before you go, a quick reminder that any information discussed on the PCOS podcast is general in nature, does not take into account your personal health circumstances, and of course, does not replace medical advice.